Let's take our Bibles together, please, to the book of 1 John. We're in 1 John chapter 4. By the grace of God, we'll finish that chapter this morning, and we've got three verses to do that, three verses left. And this is another passage about love. Imagine that. Preacher, why another message about love? Well, because he keeps writing about it. And when God keeps mentioning it over and over, we're supposed to preach what God said, so I guess we need to hear that. And, uh, you know, we need the Bible. We need every word of it. And uh, I could preach this morning on, I guess, something political or something emotional or whatever. But what we need to do is just go through the Bible and let the Bible go through us. And so another message on love is given because it's our next verses. It's what we need today or it wouldn't be in the book. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. Familiar verses, but we need to read them. We even sung about it today. 1 John 4 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. I want to take these three verses this morning, and I want to preach a message about the other side of love. As I kept reading these verses over and over, trying to meditate, I saw... An emphasis, but I saw the other side of that emphasis that sometimes is missed about love. So I'm preaching about the other side of love. He said in verse number 19, we love him because he first loved us. You know, the other side of love, when people talk about love, they talk about human love. They, as a preacher, you know, even I, I I try to emphasize, and one of the great emphases of my preaching has been throughout my life, is to try to get people to love God. That's proper. That's right. I think that is the missing ingredient of most people's lives that fall off on the rocks and that say they're saved anyway. They they don't love the Lord. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the Bible tells us in verse 19, you know, really, you can talk, we can talk all we want to about how much we love God or even about how how much people can love people and we can dress that narrative up and say how wonderful is human love and how much we need people to love other people and all that. But the other side of love, the most important side of love, is His love. We love Him because He first loved us. The overlooked side of love is the great love that God has for people. You know, you think about how, how the world emphasizes love. I mean, they write stories and plays and dramas and love songs and talk about there's nothing more powerful than love, you know. And, and, and that's been from time immemorial, you know, Romeo and Juliet and exalting how human love is, is, is such the great ideal. Can I tell you what, that's, that's just really, that really cheapens the idea of love. I'm not minimizing 
human love, but I'll say this. Human love is very overrated when you really look at God's love. And when I mean overrated, I'm not just talking about the love that a man would have for a woman, but love that people have for their kids or love people that have for one another or humanity or, or, or somebody that's downtrodden or, or even love that we could have to God is, is so overrated compared to how God loves us. And so many times what is talked about and what is discussed is the human aspect of love instead of concentrating on the other side of love, which is God's love, because without His love, none of this other love is even possible. None of this other love is even, even a discussion, you see. We love Him because He first loved us. It's His love that we ought to concentrate on. It's His love that we ought to magnify. It's His love that we ought to talk about. It's His love that we ought to be interested in. And so, when people talk about love and the love songs, I tell you what, the greatest love songs in the world, and they don't get a billion views. I, I, I looked on the internet the other day, you know, when you can't do anything but sit there, you got to do something. <laughs> I got on YouTube and I saw, I saw songs that had a billion views. A billion? You know, that might not have a billion views. But the songs in here are so much deeper and so much... They're, they're so much more real. The love of God is so, is so real. And the love that humans talk about is so fake. And so shallow. And so temporary. And what we ought to be emphasizing in life is wonderful story of love. Tell it to me again. Wonderful story of love. Break the immortal strain. The angels in raptures, of course, they announced it. It's the love of God for us. I'm convinced that people are consumed with other people loving them and them loving other people. And how am I going to find love in this world when the greatest love in the world is God's love? That's the other side of the discussion. His love is the greatest love you'd ever find anyway. We love Him because He first loved us. You know, He loved us when we were in our sins. Hey guys, that, that's, not, that's not a typical love. To Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. God loves you and that's not a... That is not a liberal cliche. They have stolen that idea from the Bible and made it some mushy thing that it isn't. But the truth is that God loves you more than anyone could ever or would ever love you. And that ought to move your heart. That ought to move your heart. God's love for me, that's why I'm in this pulpit this morning because... I'm overwhelmed how much he loves me and I just want to love him back. That's why I gave my life to him for the ministry because I understand his love. All these people that talk about love in the liberal world and they sing about, oh, God loves you, God loves you. If you, they really understood that, wouldn't they, wouldn't they live a different life? Wouldn't they give their heart to him? Wouldn't it affect their daily activities? 
the other side of love has nothing to do with my love. It has to do with his love. The book tells us he loved us when when we were in our sins, and he still does. He loved us enough to die for us. He said in verse number 9 of this same chapter, we were just there just the the other day in 1 John 4, 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him here in his love. That here's, you know, say it again. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, you can't get in a rut where you think the Christian life is just about how much you love God instead of recognizing how much he loves you, which will cause you to love him more if you could see that plainly. There are some people in this world that think nobody loves them. There are saved people that don't think God loves them. That's why I say people run out in the world and they look for love because they don't have any in their heart. That's why people try to find love in a bottle, try to find love in an illicit relationship, try to find love somewhere else but from God because they don't understand the other side of love, which is His love is exalted above everything. He said in chapter 3, verse 1, you know how God loves you? God, God loves us as saved people just like He loves His own Son. I can't imagine that. He said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Amen. He loves me as a son. He loves me as his child. What an overwhelming thought. How could I be depressed when the God of the universe loves me like he loves Jesus? What a blessing. Amen. What a thing to give my life meaning. That the Creator looks down from heaven and He loves me. He even loves me when I'm bad. Jesus loves me when I'm bad. Oh, it makes Him very sad. You know what you do? You and I go through life making Him sad and we don't think about how much He loves us even when we're making Him sad. We're thinking about every other type of love but the greatest love in all the world. You know what God tells us about His love? You know the text. You know, it says in Ephesians 2, we're dead and trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's who we were. And we were just fulfilling the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. And you know what? That love extended to us not just in salvation, but though we were dead in sins, He quickened us together with Christ. And He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. He's going to give me everything that, that rightly is deserved by His own Son, but He is going to impute it and give it to me because He loves me so much because He died for me. And I responded to that love in repentance and faith. And I get the same love that He's got for His Son. Oh, what? Oh, what love. Beyond our all measure. He loves enough to listen to our prayers. Have you ever been burdened that people you love or maybe you want, want to love you don't listen to you? You can never say that about God. He says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. So don't go around living like he doesn't care. 
Don't, don't, don't go around talking like somebody doesn't care for you. He does. He cares for every pain, every struggle, every weakness, every difficulty, every sin. And he says this. He says, we love him because he first loved us. That amazing, inseparable love, nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. That love that passeth knowledge that is eternal. He says this, we love him. Listen to this. It doesn't doesn't even say we ought to love him. It says we love him. It's like if if you're saved, you can't help but love him. We love him. It's just, it's automatic. And that's why in my mind, I, I put a big question mark, and I know I can't see in people's hearts, but man, if you're saved, how can you not help but love him? We love him, not that we should or we ought, but we just do. Because he first loved us. So the other side of love has nothing to do with human love, has nothing to do with my love for God, really has to do with his love for me, his love for us. But the second other side of love, I want you to see, would you go back to our text? He said 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, the next verse. If a man may say, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So the first thing he tells us, we need to remember who loved first. That's the other side of love. The second thing he says, you know, we need to quit lying about love. We need to quit saying that we love when we don't really love. He said, man, can say I love God, but if he hates his brother, he's a liar. Do you know that, that human beings start learning to lie about love at the earliest of ages? We're the biggest liars that ever were about love. I mean, those little kids, you know, they pass those little notes. I love you. Tell your kids to quit doing that. They're in Sunday school and here's this little girl and they pass a note to this little girl. I love you. Do you love me? And we laugh at that. Oh, isn't that funny? No, it's not true. It's a lie. And even and, and that it, it continues in the preteen years. I, I never forget we were in Greece as missionaries. And my youngest daughter, she was nine, pretty, pretty little girl. The prettiest was at like three. But nine was, yeah, that was pretty good. Nine years old, we're at a, at a, a Greek pastor's house down in the islands. Helped us out tremendously. He had, a, he, had a, he had a wonderful family. Lydia was about nine. And this pastor had a little boy. I don't know, was he four or five? Where's my wife? I don't Where's my wife? Four or five. Four or five years old. And we'd been there a couple days, and he went to his daddy, and he said, Daddy, I'm going to marry that, that, that girl. I love her. And then he started going up to my daughter and say, I'm going to kiss you because I love you. and We're going to get married. And you may think it's funny, but I didn't think it was too funny. And it scared my daughter to death. 
he would chase her. Oh, how funny. No, that kid didn't know any more about love than he knew about brain surgery. But then we keep lying about it. We get into the teen years. Will you be my boyfriend? Will you be my girlfriend? I love you. You don't even know how to pick up your shoes. You don't even know how to do your chores without complaining. I love you. Quit saying that. It's a lie. Oh, it's puppy. That's, that's, not, that's not real. It's not real. What he's saying here, he's talking about people that are saying that they love, but they don't know anything about it. Are you listening to me? Now, this is to God. I love God. You see, we learn to lie about love from an early age. And so we lie about it to other people and we lie about it to God. Do you think everybody, you think everybody in here told the truth when they sang just a moment ago, My Jesus, I love thee? Do you think everybody in here told the truth of that song this morning? Do you really believe that was true? If you do, you've got a lot more faith than this preacher does. He says, quit lying about love. You know, it just doesn't stop with teenagers. Then you get into the young adult category. Now, now that'll start meddling right there. Oh, preacher, well, I love. You know, I'm convinced that half, half the people that get married, listen, one out of a million teenagers would know what love is about. And probably one out of 100,000 young adults will know what love is about. And probably one out of 10,000 adults, adults, know what love, love's about. Love is not about saying. Love is about showing. That's what love's about. Love is about giving of yourself. Love is about sacrifice. Oh, I love you. All that means is that I want your body in, in young adult language. Can we be that honest? That doesn't mean I love you. That means I love me. I love me and I need something, I need something more for me. It's not love. And no matter if it's young adults or adults or who it is. And so we go through life learning how to lie about love and we don't even understand what it is. And then we come to God and say, yes, I love God. But, but, but we don't even know what we're talking about because the other side of love is not what I say, but what I show. Do I show with my life that I love God? God certainly did for me, and He does every day. He does every day to people that do not love Him. He keeps raining uh, water on their crops. He keeps sending them sunshine and giving uh, the wicked air to breathe. The love of God is manifested in every part of our planet. He proves it. Now, I'm not minimizing. I'm not minimizing how you ought to tell people you love them. I'm not trying to minimize that. I try to tell God I love Him. I, I do. I try to tell the Lord I love Him. But it, it's something more than that. I try, I try to tell my family I love them. I try to tell my, my wife. I try to tell my children. I tell people 
I tell my mother that I love her. But, but by the way, hey, can I help you? Don't be one of these people that every last sentence always has to be with I love you. Well, that went over very well. What I'm trying to tell you, we emphasize the words more than we do the actions. I'm not saying it's not important to tell people you love them. I believe in that. But I believe I would rather have somebody really love me and never tell me than have somebody that told me all the time and it was hollow. He said a man may say I love. But the other side is showing that and proving that. Talk is cheap. Do we really love God or are we lying about it? He said in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 18, if you remember the verse, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We need to show, love should be shown. Yes, I tell my family I love them, but I, if I really love, I'm going to show that. I pray for them. I provide for them. I try to set a good example before them. If I am a stumbling block before them, I'm not loving them. If I'm making it hard for them to serve God or to live right, I'm not loving them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just a colloquial phrase. By the way, if we love God, it'll come in our actions. If we love one another, it'll come out in our actions. If your example is not right, you don't don't understand love. You just need to quit lying about it. And ask God to help you live, live love. You understand? Live love. I need to live my love for God. I need to live my love for others. We're not to love in word. And I know somebody could hear this and they say, yeah, that's right. These people need to, they, they tell me they love me, but they need to show me. Again, it, we're not consumed about who is loving me. I'm supposed to be consumed about how I am to love someone else. Do so you see the, the, the deal? He's not trying to create victim a victim mentality about you walk around and say, well, I knew nobody loved me because I already told you somebody loves you more than anybody could ever love you. That's God. If you were stuck on an island, a man being tortured and didn't have anybody, you'd still have somebody that loves you in Jesus Christ. The whole point is, who am I showing that I love them? He says it this way. Not just about love, but about a lot of things. James says a man may say, I have faith. And then the guy says, I'll tell you what, I'll show you my faith. Because anybody can say I have faith, just like anybody can say I have love. But there needs to be some proof behind it. He said the same thing with the being saved, as a matter of fact. You know, the Bible tells us that for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. If I'm in the kingdom of God, it's not just a bunch of words. There is some power. There is some reality. God's in the mix, you see. Salvation in the kingdom of God is not just what I say and what I talk about. It's God really being in me and the power of God really working in my life and redeeming my soul and changing me. 
You know what he said in 2 Corinthians? We know this. We, we know this because we give faith promise. We say we want to reach the world. Well, he said over there that we need to show the proof of our love. It's easy. You know, I, I love people who don't want to go to hell. But then it's easy not to participate in any of the evangelistic activities. What gives? It's easy to say, man, I don't want anybody to go to hell. I want the world to come to Christ. And then not have any prayer life for it. What, what is that? It's just words. But you know why we have missions conference? You know why we give our faith promise? And by the way, faith promises that way. It's easy to give a faith promise. Well, it's not so easy if you're giving it the right way. But if, if you give the faith promise, that's the easier part than fulfilling it. Listen to me. The fulfillment of it is the love. Are you hearing me? The card is not the love. It's the performing, the the doing of it is the love. It's not the faith to step out. And I know many of you have stepped out in faith with that. And praise God for that. But the real proof of that faith, the other side of that faith, is the doing of that and watching God provide. And you being faithful to give. The proof of our love is our giving. That's what he's saying. And the proof or the other side of love, am I showing it? Am I giving to God, to others? Have I proven that I love the Lord? Is there reality behind that? Lastly, verse 21, 1 John 4, 21. The Bible says, In this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Not only do we need, we need to remember who loved first, and not only do we need to quit lying about love, But we need to stop viewing love the way we do and start viewing it as a commandment. You know, maybe rarely do you think about a love relationship as being a commandment. You know what a commandment is? That's something you have to do. It's not a request. It's a commandment. You know, God had ten commandments. They weren't suggestions. They didn't come down off the mountain with them and the children of Israel said, wonder which one of these we want to do. Wonder, you know, if I feel, if, I wonder which one of these gives me goosebumps and I, and I feel like doing today. No, they're commandments. You don't, you don't commit adultery because God commanded you not to commit adultery. You don't bear false witness because God commanded you not to bear false witness. You, you stop coveting because God commanded you not to covet. Has nothing to do with how you feel about it or what you want. The other side of love is this: God commands us to do it. He says, "Husbands, love your wives." That's a commandment. The Bible says we're taught of God to love one another. That's a commandment. God has commanded us to love each other. Jesus said, "A new commandment I give unto you." 
He said that you love one another. That's what Jesus said. All through this book, He's commanded us to... Why do people... Do you understand how many commandments we break just by not loving each other? Just not loving the people? You said, preacher, this is so mushy. I tell you what, if people would start keeping this commandment, it'd change people's families, it'd change the church, and it'd change the work of God. Because I'm convinced people don't love people. I'm talking about saved people. I'm not talking about the lost people. Lost people don't even know what love is. Amen. He says, husband, love your wives. Why? Because he told you to. It's a commandment. You have to. Isn't that a different view of love? Some some wife sitting here, well, I don't just want him to love me because he has to. You better take that lady. (laughs) Amen. He says, for the ladies... He says, love your own husbands. And by the way, love your children. Why? Because you have to. Because He told you to. Well, if they break my heart, you love them anyway. And by the way, that loving your children thing, don't mistake that either. Because some people think loving their children is giving them everything they want or giving in to them. That's not love. That is abuse. That's what's happening right now in the world with all these clinics they're putting up, uh, doing surgery on minors, giving them their way because they're so confused they don't even know who they are. Children don't know who they are anyway. They're trying to figure out what toys to play with. This is ludicrous. It's not love, it's abuse. If we love our kids, what do we do? We correct them. That's what the Bible says. I'm convinced a lot of parents don't love their kids. They love themselves. That's why they don't correct their kids, because they feel bad if they have to correct them. Or did you hear what I just said? They feel bad if they say no to their child, because it makes me feel bad. The Bible says, love your children. Love your husband. He says, even Jesus talked about loving your enemies. Love each other. Well, I just don't like those people in church. Okay, love them. You have to. You have to. It's a commandment. Do you understand what a commandment is? I know you'd rather me preach on something else this morning. I'd probably get a lot more amens, amen, if I preached on dress standards or how... Amen, or drunkenness or something else. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, God's commandment is for us to love each other. And we fail at it. And just swallow hard and do what you're told. And maybe after a while you'll start enjoying it. I'm amazed at how many marriages in the Old Testament worked when most of those women didn't even get to say, didn't even get to choose their husband. Did I just upset anybody's theology? I don't believe in that. I, I, I don't believe in forced marriage. I don't. But what I'm reading, it looks like some of those marriages are working a lot better than the ones that get picked. Here daddy comes with a godly daddy comes with his daughter and says, "All right, this is my, this is your this is your this is your man." By the way, I would never do that with one of my daughters. 
I'd be involved, but I'm never going to do that because if that's the wrong dude, guess who's on the loop? They'll not. Are you listening to me? Nothing I ever say the rest of my life is going to matter to them. No, no. You make your bed, you lie in it. I'll give you some wisdom there. Here's the Old Testament guy. Okay, honey. Here's your, all right, here's your husband. Now, you love him because you have to. You're commanded to. You see how we're so mixed, mixed up? Can't we just do what we have to, what we're commanded to? Don't forget who loved first. Quit lying about love. And let's start viewing it as a commandment instead of an option.